Streaming has gotten way too complicated, but you can hack the system with Prime Video. It has everything in one app with one password. See Roadhouse, Giannis, The Marvelous Journey, and the National Women's Soccer League, all included with Prime. Plus, you can buy Premier Boxing or stream the NHL and NBA playoffs on Max with the Bleacher Report Sports add-on or add Paramount Plus for the Masters on CBS. Prime Video. It's all your favorite content in one place. Restrictions apply. Prime membership required for add-on subscriptions. See Amazon.com slash Amazon Prime for details. This episode brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Director Wes Ball breathes new life into the epic franchise. As a ruthless king attempts to build his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape begins a journey to fight for a future for apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX, now playing, and theaters everywhere. Get tickets now. Black Buffalo Zero products are intended for adults age 21 and older who are consumers of comparable products. If you're an adult age 21 and older who dips, I want to tell you about Black Buffalo Zero pouches. What are they made of? Pretty simple. Cured edible green leaves. Food-grade ingredients. Most importantly, there's no nicotine or tobacco. All proudly made here in the U.S. So if you're 21 and older and want to learn more about Black Buffalo Zero, head over to blackbuffalozero.com to learn more. You can buy their pouch online, ship directly to most states. Black Buffalo Zero, zero nicotine, zero tobacco, 100% ritual. Thanks for listening to the Best of the Herd podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday on Fox Sports Radio at noon to 3 Eastern, 9 a.m. to noon Pacific. Find your local station for the Herd at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app by searching Fox Sports Radio or FSR. This is the Best of the Herd with Colin Cowherd on Fox Sports Radio. Here we go on a Thursday. Lots to talk about, lots to do. In L.A., it's the Herd. Wherever you may be and however you may be listening, thanks for making us part of your day. Uh, J-Mac last week, because I'm taking tomorrow off, so J-Mac's going to deliver tomorrow's headlines today in our third hour. Last week, it was the NFC. We kind of agreed. Today, it's the AFC. Uh... Very interested. I I already have a feeling of vibe on one of his picks, but I disagree with vehemently. But uh, I I watched the United States men's national team, by the way. First of all, Panama outplayed us. They deserved a win. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on that today, but Panama deserved a win last night. They outplayed us. Way to start the show on a Debbie Well, well, well. Come on. It was our backups. It was our third stringers. USA-Mexico was going to be Sunday at SoFi out here. I was all excited to take the family. Yeah, it's over. (laughs) Disturbing uh-huh. loss last night. Okay. Not a major setback, but disappointing. All right. So they had the ESPYs last night for the 13th straight year. I didn't watch any of it. Uh, but I was told Caleb Williams, USC quarterback, won something called best male college athlete. And I was reading a story this morning about Daniel Jeremiah. He's a scout, former multiple team scout, smart guy. And he was talking about how he doesn't remind him of Patrick Mahomes. He reminds him of Josh Allen. Now, I think he plays a much more composed game. He reminds me much more of Mahomes, so I disagree with the scout. Uh, I thought Josh Allen was wild, out of control in college, early in the NFL. Caleb Williams is never out of control. Uh, Mahomes, by the way, people view him as wild. He's never out of control. Uh, Josh Allen sometimes is. Bad decisions, red zone. Uh, For a variety of reasons, 
I don't see the comp with Josh Allen nearly as much, and some of it's just emotional. I do see the Mahomes comp. But it is interesting because only three times since I've been doing this, I was not doing sports talk radio or television in the John Elway era. 2012 with Andrew Luck, 2021 with Trevor Lawrence, and 2024 with Caleb Williams. The only three times, not Peyton Manning, the only three times I believe that a college quarterback going into his last year is better than 75% of the NFL. Three guys. And they weren't perfect. Andrew Luck, I can remember talking to scouts who said he doesn't avoid contact. He's going to get hurt. He bangs into people. He holds the ball too long. He thinks he can make a play. Wasn't perfect. Trevor Lawrence, people thought the ball dipped his delivery. He could sail the ball from time to time. And Caleb Williams, you wish he was an inch and a half taller. Sometimes he kind of runs backwards making a play, but he'll get coached out of that. He does it less and less. It feels like at the end of the year, he didn't do it nearly as much as he did at the beginning of the year. Probably won't be an issue. They're not perfect. Um, and it's very, very rare. But they have something that I think is important in that they have this incredible confidence, but it's never narcissism. It's never conceited, and it's never arrogance. That was the problem with Johnny Manziel. That was the problem with Cam. That was the problem with Baker. That they were confident, but it became conceit or arrogance, maybe both. It was obnoxious at times. And that's really important as a pro quarterback because you're the coach on the field. We all know that. But leadership is one of those things that's hard to define. And you know it when you talk to it. And all three, Luck and Trevor Lawrence and Caleb Williams, I was lucky enough to talk to them early in their careers. The last time I saw Caleb Williams, he walked up to me and said, I'm not nearly as good as you say I am. Ever get that with Baker? <laughs> Johnny Manziel, no. Um, all three, Luck, Trevor, Caleb, willing to take risks. That's a big thing. They're not deterred by interceptions. They don't. Not that they don't care, but they never lose confidence on an interception. But I wouldn't classify any of them as reckless. Andrew Luck wasn't reckless. He was running for his life behind a terrible O-line with no receivers. 12 years, three quarterbacks that fall into this. Now, I love Sam Darnold, but he wasn't a generational talent. I knew a lot of GMs that liked him, but he wasn't generational. He had a flawed delivery. He was a linebacker at one point in high school. He wasn't a natural, fluid quarterback. He was just a great kid, a gamer, physical, could move around. I missed. I thought he was going to hit. I missed. Became very apparent year two, year three, just a flawed delivery. Joe Burrow was not. Joe Burrow junior year looked like a college quarterback. Joe Burrow had a great last year, had to transfer. There's a lot of guys out there. Justin Herbert, a lot of critics. Uh, people thought he was too mechanical. Didn't, it wasn't until the Rose Bowl that the Chargers finally decided he's the guy. They still like Tua a lot. But it's very, very rare that you get somebody that going into their last year of college is better than 75% of the NFL. That's generational. That's different. Great kid. He's got the confidence without the narcissism. And I would say with luck, Trevor Lawrence, and I've met Caleb Williams' dad, I would say in all three, the key to it, parents. To be really confident without the conceit, generally really good parents. All this stuff starts at home. Um, all right, so I saw this story today at The Athletic. The Athletic uh, uh, is that subscription model. Very interesting. I like reading it a lot. 
So there is a story uh, today about Russell Wilson and the Broncos where Randy Mueller, I know Randy, uh, he's been on the show before, says there is a lot at stake for everybody this year. We know that to be true because Russell's got a monster contract. And if it doesn't work, uh, Denver's going to be bailing water for several years. Sean Payton, everybody in the organization has said this year is key. So I actually think Denver is going to be pretty predictable offensively this year. There's three things we know to be true. Without argument, they have upgraded the offensive line. Now, you can argue they're receiving and tight end cores, this, this, this. PFF ranks at middle of the pack. I think it's better than that, but we can argue that. You cannot argue their left tackle, their best lineman's back. They went and got a top guard and a right tackle. The O-line will be significantly better. Secondly, we know Nathaniel Hackett was over his skis by September. The Broncos last year, in September, had to hire a veteran assistant who could basically manage the game. By November, they took away play calling. It was a disaster. That we know, no dispute. And number three, also not a dispute, Sean Payton's one of the best last 20 years offensive coaches in the NFL. Those O-line, Hackett didn't work, Payton's really good. And the other break that I think really helps Denver is that if you look at the schedule, only four times this year will they face an elite defense. Washington, who's got a rookie quarterback, the Jets and New England, both at home, and then the Buffalo, a team that J-Mac and many believe is going backwards. That's it. That is it. There's a lot of defenses that may have a great player or two. Raiders, Miami, Chicago, Green Bay, Kansas City, Minnesota, Cleveland, Chargers, Detroit, Vegas again. They do not. There's no Steeler defense on here. There's no Raven defense. There's no Niner defense. There's no Bengal defense. There's no Philadelphia defense. There's no Cowboy defense. I'm, I'm often critical of the Cowboys. They got good personnel. It's a good defense. No Cowboy, no Steeler, no Niner, no Eagle, no Bengal, no Raven. Broncos are going to score some points. So last year, despite the O-line being awful, star running back being hurt, Nathaniel Hackett, they averaged 16.9 points a game. And the league average was 21.9 points a game. So do I believe with a better O-line, an easier defensive schedule, and one of the best coaches in 20 years, they'll go from 16.9 points a game to 21.9 points, five points a game to just get to the league average. Yes, I do with a lot of confidence. The question will be, can they get to 24.6 points a game? Because that's what playoff teams scored. And my takeaway is that's exactly a touchdown more than last year. Yep, I think Sean Payton, better online, easier defensive schedule is worth a touchdown a game. So I think Denver's actually fairly predictable. I think they'll be closer to 24 and 25 points a game. I think if you look at their schedule, they're going to have to get into a couple of shootouts against Kansas City and probably Buffalo. But I'll think, I think they'll be equipped. But when the schedule comes out, there are not a lot of elite defense. And we know Jets personnel, Steelers, Ravens, Niners, Ingle, Bagel, Bengals, Cowboys, those are really good defenses returning most of your really good players. So I think, I think they're a fairly easy team to figure out. Now, they may lose a lot of close games. They may end up being 
an eight-win team or a nine-win team because they lose two games in overtime. But is Sean Payton worth a touchdown and that O-line? I think he is. I think it's going to be a fairly predictable season. They'll be middle of the pack or slightly above it in scoring and the 9-10 win category. 11 if they win the close ones, 9 if they don't. J-Mac, very excited for today's show. Um, LeBron's not going to retire. Clearly. That was a little cringy last night. Yeah, a little bit. Hey, can I go to the Broncos real quick? I'm looking at last year. So they started 2-5. and five. Yes. Tough hole. Do you know their first four games are favored in three of them? Mm-hmm. So Peyton and Russ get it rolling early. Obviously, they'll uh, you know lose to the Jets in Week Five, but you get you face the Raiders and Commanders out of the gate. There is an opportunity for Denver to jump out strong, unlike last year. Well, also, if you go back to when Hackett gave up the play calling, they were a slightly better offense when he just gave it up. So in September, the general manager said, "We're going to hire an assistant to manage the game." In September. In November, they're like, okay, you can't call plays. Yeah. So he basically just stood on the sidelines the last six weeks, and that's the best they were. Yeah. And Denver, so, we know in the early season games, have a big altitude advantage. They do. You know, uh, you're warming up in the preseason, then you've got to go to high altitude and play the Broncos. They have an edge there, so they can start out of the gate 2-0. and look at, look at that schedule again. They Very get favorable. home games against shaky Raiders defense. Against Washington's rookie quarterback, that's how they start the season. That Miami game will be difficult, but then no they bounce question. back against the Bears. They should win that when they're a There's, slight favorite there. They don't, they don't play an elite defense until the Jets at home in Week 5. And by the way, because of the Jets' schedule, the Jets could be a little beat up. Jets' early schedule is daunting. The Broncos is not. So stuff sort of works in their favor this year. They start the season against weaker defenses. Uh, they A lot of home games early. Not a lot. Uh, I mean, they're going to have to have shootouts with the Bills. May have to get into a shootout at Detroit. Couple of shootouts against Kansas City. Uh, Capable of winning those, but 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 if you if you start looking at just drip drip drip, they're going to average about twenty five a game. So NFC playoff teams last week, AFC this week. I'm just saying right now. You look at the AFC. Like Denver might be the tenth best team. In the AF- AFC is unbelievably difficult to pick the playoff team, Colin. It, it's super hard. Just the AFC North. Is daunting. Just the AFC North. We love Cincinnati. I mean, I'm I'm on the Pittsburgh thing where I'm like, well, when TJ Watt plays and Kenny Pickett plays at the end of the year, they 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 won their games. You've got three divisions where three teams could make the playoffs. No question. That makes it extremely hard. Yeah, it's gonna be fun. Be sure to catch live editions of the Herd weekdays at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific, on Fox Sports Radio, FS1, and the iHeartRadio app. Hi, it's the Herd. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. It's easy, 90 seconds. Use the code HERD, H-E-R-D. That's code HERD for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings, the crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text hope and y 467 369 In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call
Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 plus, age varies by jurisdiction, void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash vball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. This episode brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Director Wes Ball breathes new life into the epic franchise set several generations after the last installment in which apes are the dominant species. As a ruthless king attempts to build his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike and embark on a journey that will redefine the planet. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX, now playing and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now. Outside of Nick Wright, I'm about as pro-LeBron as anybody could be. And outside of the decision, I don't think LeBron's had a lot of cringy moments. And by the way, politicians, star athletes, musicians, there's a lot of hubris. uh, There's a lot of entitlement. uh, We see it with our politicians. So there's going to be some cringy moments. Uh, You're selling you all the time. Add on the social media stuff. I get it. It's not the end of the world. Uh, I, I, di- I did think, though, the decision, it didn't bother me, but it bothered a lot of people, so I, my sensibility could be wrong. But I thought this was a tad cringy last night. LeBron at the ESPYs. Here we go. I don't care how many more points I score or what I can or cannot do on the floor. The real question for me is, can I play without cheating this game? The day I can't give the game everything on the floor is the day I'll be done. Lucky for you guys, that day is not today. Kind of over the top. Lucky for us. Standing ovation, playing to the crowd, I get it. But, you know, like, I understand it's a star-driven league. Like, I get it. But how about we make something cool in 2024 and beyond? An occasional moment of humility by a pro athlete. That, That would be great. By the way, I think that's why I like Jokic and Giannis. I think it's why I like them. Like, they're about the team and the community. It's okay. I know they won't get the ratings or sell the shoes of others, but it's kind of nice, right? It's, it's why I like college sports still. They're kids. The coach can actually coach. Everybody's not fearing their job, and they're really grateful to be part of something local, a community. It's special. Um, Tom Brady, I thought, did it right. Remember, his got at the end, it got weird. His wife wanted him to retire. He didn't want to retire. There was the Miami Dolphin thing. It got real wanky at the end. But I thought this was about as good a job as you can do as a GOAT in any sport to retire. I'll get to the point right away. I'm retiring for good. I won't be long-winded. I think you only get one super... Emotional retirement essay, and I used mine up last year. So, uh, really, thank you guys so much to every single one of you for supporting me, my family, my friends, my teammates, my competitors. 
Uh, I could go on forever. There's too many. Um, thank you guys for allowing me to live my absolute dream. I wouldn't change a thing. Just the right tone. Just emotional enough. Kobe had one great performance at the end. Uh, Jeter last at bat at Yankee Stadium. Wasn't it a walk-off single? Some elegance to it. Classic Jeter. Seinfeld, one last big episode. Then he moved on to other stuff. I like LeBron. I'm pro-LeBron. Uh, how lucky are we? A uh, little cringy. He shouldn't retire, by the way. He's still great in moments and spurts and occasionally great for overall games. He wants to play with his son. That's pretty cool. But uh, how lucky are we? There's a lot of good players in this league. One of them just swept you. <laughs> the Lakers, the Lakers could be lucky, speaking of that, to beat the Nuggets in a series the next two to three years because it's highly unlikely. Be sure to catch live editions of The Herd weekdays at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific. College football fans are the most delusional in my years of doing this. Nobody else is close. Maybe it's because it's the plaque on the wall. They're younger. But college football fans, I don't listen to any of them. Love you to death. I know you love Clat. I do too. I don't listen to them. Other fans I listen to, they have different perspectives. Literally, it's all gas. No breaks with college football fan. Their coach sucks. Ours is the best. Jim Harbaugh is a great example. He now owns Ohio State. He's, he's five for five, taking jobs, turning it around almost immediately. In fact, Stanford was the worst team in college football when he took it over. They got to Orange Bowls a few years later. He got to a Super Bowl. He's better than Ryan Day. He is. Ryan Day has not been to a Super Bowl. Ryan Day now can't beat Michigan. Jim's better. Doesn't mean Ryan Day's bad. Jim's better. Lincoln Riley, in his years, take out COVID, where it was all messed up. Lincoln Riley's won 12, 12, 12, 11, and 10. He's better than Brett Venables. It's not close. Lincoln Riley could get seven NFL jobs next year. Nobody would interview Brett Venables for a head coaching job in the NFL, and the NFL is the best coaching league. It's not close. It's way better than college. Half these guys doing college are lost. So you can't listen to college fans. Brian Kelly and Jim Harbaugh, between the two of them, I believe are nine for nine in turnaround jobs, mostly take shipwrecks and turn it around overnight. Stanford took a little longer. They're great coaches. I mean, literally, if you, if you, and then you got Sark. And so Sark's one of those that I defend, but I hear the critics. I do hear the critics. Now, I watched him at Washington, took over a zero-win program. Zero wins, turned it around. Uh, and he did turn it around. They were zero wins, five wins, seven a few years, nine. Then he left. He went to USC. They were a mess. Recruiting was excellent. Sort of turned him around, then had personal issues. And now he goes to Texas, and this year they're favored overwhelmingly to win their conference. But the knock has always been, eh, he can recruit, he's a great quarterback developer, he's a little light on the details. All right, details. So the, the theory has always been with Sark, not the theory, but the belief, because, again, I was a Brian Kelly fan when you were all dogging him. And I was a Harbaugh fan when you were all dogging him. And I'm a Lincoln Riley fan, and you're all dogging him. I'm a Sark fan. So the knock on Sark has been um, details, attention to detail, close games, not so good. So let's go look at close games. One score games in Brian Kelly's career and Lincoln Riley. And then there's Sark. Oh, that's not good. 
So Lincoln Riley's amazing, 24 and 9. Brian Kelly's equally amazing, 40 and 23. At Washington, USC, and Texas, Sark's under 500. So that leads you to believe Sark's in trouble. Until you see the next graphic, and Jim Harbaugh, who's been to Super Bowls, is basically 500 in one-score games. Even in recent years, last couple of years, he's five and three. Change one of those games, he's four and four. So my take on Sark is, I think Sark's really, really good. The criticism is, because we know he can recruit, I watched Washington, USC, and Texas, and within one year, they were better football teams. No question. No question. Texas has a culture. They're big. They're fast. They're aggressive. Does he have to win more one-score games? Absolutely. But Harbaugh, and no reasonable fan, not your crazy college fan, no reasonable fan is denying Harbaugh's really good at what he does. He now owns Ohio State. He owns the Big Ten. This is his best team coming back ever. Got to a Super Bowl, turned around San Diego, Stanford, the 49ers, uh, and, and Michigan. Uh, but I, I tend to be a Sark believer. I don't think they'll be in a lot of close games this year. I think they're going to blow out a lot of people. But you go to Lubbock, you go to, you go to Waco, you go to these night games in the Big 12, everybody's spreading it out. So this is, to me... All the Sark critics, pins and needles this year. I'm a believer, but I was a believer in Lincoln. I used to bring him on second year when he was coaching Oklahoma. I watched their games and thought, this cat's different. <laughs> this cat is different. I love Brian Kelly even early at Notre Dame. I'm a Harbaugh guy. I'm a Sark guy. But the close game thing, it's not great. It's not great for James Franklin. I think he's a good coach. Go look at James Franklin one score game. It's not great for Harbaugh. And so far, it hasn't been great for Sark. Here's Sark at Big 12 Media Days. I really love our football team. I love their mindset. I love where they're at. Uh, I know that uh, there's been so much talk about the SEC and what's happening in 2024. Uh, but I think one thing that I love about this team that we have this year is their focus on 2023 and this opportunity we have here in the Big 12. Uh, it's going to be a heck of a season, great competition. And I'll make a prediction. The two biggest glamour programs in college football, not saying the best, but the best glamour programs are USC and Texas. The last time USC and Texas were great, college football's championship game ratings were historic. So I don't, I don't think Texas is ready to play for a national championship. I think USC's close, although I think LSU, Georgia, Michigan may be better. But I, I, Texas being good in college football is really important. Ohio State's great. It's not a glamour program. Notre Dame tends to be kind of a glamour program. USC, Texas, glamour program. Miami Hurricanes haven't been good forever. It's kind of a glamour program. A little juice to it, a little sizzle to it. So I think they're going to be really, really good this year. I do not, unlike everybody else, I do not love their quarterback. Brock Ewers, like everybody else does. Quinn Ewers, excuse me. I think he's a little loose. Doesn't play with urgency, can get a little sloppy mechanically. But um, this is the year for Sark. And that and that he's not good in close game stuff. You got to be careful because Harbaugh's not great in close games. He's okay. It's not a disaster, but he's not Brian Kelly. He's not Lincoln Riley. Hey, it's Ben, host of The Fifth Hour with Ben Maller. It would mean a lot to have you join us on our weekly auditory journey. You're asking, what in God's name is The Fifth Hour? 
I'll tell you, it's a spin-off of the Ben Maller Show, a cult hit overnights on FSR. Why should you listen? Picture, if you will, a world where we chat with captains of industry in media, sports, and more every week. Explore some amazing facts about human nature and more. Listen to The Fifth Hour with Ben Maller on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. So, J-Mac, we were talking about Kyler Murray. And um, I have been a big supporter. I have defended him. And I have said there's a lot of chaos in that building. Players around the league voted that Arizona had the worst owner, worst facilities. I think it's a lot to overcome. And I thought he got better three straight years. And then last year it all came to a boil, and it was just the pot. It was a mess. All over the oven. It was a mess. Flames everywhere. So I think he had three building years. Last year's a mess. He is smaller than you like. He did get hurt. He tends to be, I think my concern is his indifference. Like, I don't care if guys, are, like Ben Simmons, I don't think he likes basketball. Maybe he likes it, he doesn't love it. Uh, that's, my, that's my issue with Kyler. Does he love it? He doesn't love studying for it. They had to put a homework clause in his contract. <laughs> so he came out with a quote yesterday, uh, and he was talking, and I've talked to a lot of people that have been in that building and have left, and there's a concern about coachability and re- indifference. He said, you know, to hit a wall year four, going through the whole contract thing, the energy, the aura, the vibe, all negative. The whole blank last year was blank. Happened for a reason. The things we weren't doing weren't sustainable. It was uh, necessary, and in turn, good ca- things will come from it. Um, I do think if they landed Caleb Williams, they would take Caleb Williams. Uh, because you've got multiple things now stacking up. You've got, you know, you have to have him off the video games. He's smaller. He's been hurt. He's been harder to coach. So I think, like, his reputation now is earned as much as I supported him. It's an earned reputation. I've worked with people. They're difficult. After about three or four years, if somebody's difficult, that's what they are. Doesn't mean they're a bad guy. Some people are just difficult, right? They're not happy unless they're unhappy. And so, I mean... I'm going to give you the 10 best quarterbacks in the league. My order may be all screwed up. And the reason I'm giving you those is Kyler Murray. So the 10 best quarterbacks in the league, I think this order is pretty accurate. Mahomes would be one, right? We would agree on that. Highest passer rating in league history. Joe Burrow would be number two. Highest completion percentage ratio. Highest completion percentage in league history. Burrow. Very good. Uh, Josh Allen, most combined passing and running touchdowns for any quarterback in league history through five years. Josh Allen, three. Trevor Lawrence, pro bowler, first year with um, Doug Peterson. Uh, Justin Herbert has more passing yards than any player in league history, first three years, and that's one of those years with an atrocious offensive line. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, best touchdown to interception ratio in league history, prettiest thrower of the football I've ever seen outside of maybe Marino. Jalen Hurts, last 25 starts, 21-4. and four. He's really good. Uh, Lamar Jackson, second-highest winning percentage quarterbacks in the league that are currently active. He wins a lot of games. He's dynamic. Matt Stafford, fastest player ever league history to reach 50,000 passing yards, and that was behind a lot of bad O-lines and bad teams in Detroit. And then there's Russell Wilson, four straight years of 100-plus passer rating. You're down on him. I would put Jared Goff at 10 or 11 if Russell started off poorly this year. Jared Goff's my 11. I like him more than most. He's not going to do anything off script, but I think he throws a beautiful ball. So there's we all kind of agree those are the 10 guys. I think most of us agree. I've never had Dak as a 10 guy really consistently. Kirk Cousins, again, shrinks in big games. I think these are the 10 best quarterbacks. Kyler used to be on that list. But I, I think the thing with Kyler is I will defend you with a lot of stuff. Injuries. Matt Stafford just had an injury. 
Aaron had a bad year for Aaron. Lamar's had injuries. I got all those guys on the list. But if you're indifferent, you're indifferent to coaching, you're indifferent to prep, I can't put you on that list because none of those guys are. And Aaron Rodgers has his issues. He's not indifferent. He cares. He studies. He may not study as much as Brady or Manning or Russell Wilson, but he studies. But it's that indifferent thing. It's, it, it's Ben Simmons has some of this. Is that it, I've been told sometimes he's indifferent to coaching, indifferent to studying. You can only do so much. And, and by the way, there are I've heard Josh Allen does not watch as much tape as, as sometimes Buffalo would love him to. Some guys are not film room junkies. They just, they watch their film. Big Ben had a reputation. Big Ben was not a film room junkie, but he watched enough. So I, the indifference thing really concerns me with Kyler Murray. And I've said this before. I wonder, because he's not going to play first seven, eight weeks. If they went one and seven and they're leading in the Caleb Williams sweepstakes, would they go to Caleb Williams and say, listen, the O-line's bad. We're not going to bring you back to get hit. It does us no good. It does you no good. If they're one and seven at the trade deadline, they sell off pieces. They go to Kyler and say, it's not going to work here. I think he'd be open to moving. And I think they'd be every bit as interested in Caleb Williams. And I think it would be the right move. I always say after three years to four years, you know who a person is. Everybody has bad days. Everybody has bad moments. But I'm kind of feeling like this is what Kyler is just a little indifferent to stuff that I need you to be all in on stuff. Be sure to catch live editions of The Herd weekdays at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio, FS1, and the iHeartRadio app. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret, like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Hi, it's the Herd. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Teams are knocking on the door of the conference finals, and DraftKings Sportsbook has you covered every step of the way with same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. Don't miss out. As the NBA postseason winds down, it's fantastic. Super easy to get started with DraftKings. If you're a first-timer, really easy. Try betting on something like a team to win. Go to DraftKings Sportsbook's app, select your team, and place your first bet. It's that simple, really. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. It's easy, 90 seconds. Use the code HERD, H-E-R-D. That's code HERD for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings, the crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 plus, age varies by jurisdiction, void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. This episode brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Director Wes Ball breathes new life into the epic franchise set several generations after the last installment in which apes are the dominant species. 
as a ruthless king attempts to build his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike and embark on a journey that will redefine the planet. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX, now playing and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now. Albert Breer, wrapping up his summer vacay. By the way, you had an in-depth article on the 2024 quarterback class. Uh, I, I don't think I'm overstating it. Maybe I am. You know Jim Nagy. You've talked to Trent Dilfer, uh, uh, Jordan Palmer. What do they think about Caleb Williams? Well, I, I think, you know, it's it's interesting because there's this class of quarterback coming into the league that's very, very rare, you know. And I think if you look over the course of my lifetime, there are, are really four guys who fit into that category. And it's not like how good they became. It's how good they were coming into the league. It's what NFL people thought of them. And the four in that category would be John Elway, Peyton Manning, Andrew Luck, and Trevor Lawrence. Everybody I've talked to says Caleb Williams with another good year has a chance to be in that category where he projects the kind of guy who's going to be good almost no matter where he goes. He checks every single box. There aren't a lot of things to pick at. And, um, you know, it's interesting, Colin, because going into that exercise, which I've done a few times now over the years, I was sort of expecting some people to say, okay, like, well, Caleb Williams and Drake May are sort of on this one tier and everybody else is below them. To a man, it wasn't like that. It was Caleb Williams, number one, no question, one of the best prospects we've seen over the last 20 or 30 years at the position, then a drop, then Drake May, then a drop, then the pack. So that should give you an idea of the way all of these people look at Caleb Williams. Right now, going into what's going to be a, what's expected to be a very, very big year for him at USC. So the Saquon Barkley thing, I, I said uh, to J-Mac earlier in the show, I said, once you make an investment on the house, Daniel Jones, of that magnitude, you need insurance. Brian Dable is insurance. Saquon Barkley, I could argue, is an insurance policy to ensure that Daniel Jones' investment works. Don't they have to pay him? Yeah, for a number of different reasons. I mean, part of it's what you're talking about, where I think, you know, Daniel Jones' you know, breakout year in, in year five kind of happens because of, or year four happens because Saquon Barkley is next to him. The same way Dak Prescott had a huge rookie year because Zeke Elliott was next to him. The same way Jared Goff broke out when Jared when, when Todd Gurley was next to him. So that part of it, I think, exists, the part you're referencing. The other part is he's a guy who was really big as far as them building their program in year one under Brian Dayball and Joe Shane. And the locker room pays attention to who you're rewarding. And this is a guy who's fought through injuries. He's a good guy who's a great player who I, I think, you know, even if you view running backs as, as not worth the type of contract that he's commanding right now, you look at it and you say – this is a guy where when we pay him, it's going to resonate in the locker room in yes. a very, very positive yes. way. And so I think that that's a really, really important piece of this as well. Now, you know, you're hearing some saber rattling now. That's just the way these things work. You know, the way the franchise tag works, generally in March the tag goes on, the player isn't happy about it, the player and team will have some back-and-forth negotiation. It won't work. That'll get backburnered. The team will go through free agency and the draft and all of that. And they'll wait until the deadline comes, and then they'll pick up negotiations with a few days left till the deadline. They'll figure out we're still a little ways apart. There will be some saber rattling, and when the deal gets done, the deal gets done. I think both sides have a lot of motivation to get this done um, because, you know, the Giants, again, it would be validating the program in a certain way. And for Saquon, you know, he's a running back who's played five years, who has a lot of injuries, a lot of miles on his legs now, so he should take the money when he can get it. 
Um, and I don't think the gap is astronomical. So my guess would be there's maybe a little more stable rattling over the next couple of days, and then they find a way to get something done before 4 o'clock Eastern on Monday. I was looking at, I think it was PFF, uh, most and least talented rosters in the NFL, and the Rams are in the bottom three or four, right around, you know, like bad teams. And there was a story that came out, I believe, in The Athletic last week that the Rams considered moving Stafford. Now, I was told by a source I trust that they wanted to redo his contract. He wasn't interested. It limits what they can do, and they were frustrated with him. And I could also see them next year taking a quarterback because the way to catch up in this league with personnel is rookie quarterback, go buy four good players. So your thoughts on the Stafford story that he got him a ring, he's now banged up, are they close to moving him if things go south this year? I mean, if they're like 0-8 at the trade deadline, I guess you can't rule anything out, you know. Um, but I, I think this is part of a more global thing. Like, if you're talking about shopping a guy like, we're looking to offload him, that's not what they were looking to do. Um, but they did earmark this as a reset year. And what I was told over and over again in February and March and when they traded Jalen Ramsey was, we feel like if we don't do this now, it's going to take two years, not one, for us to get out underneath all of the cap debt that we've built up over the years and building the roster as aggressively as we have. So we need to hit the reset button now. And so when you're going through the process of hitting the reset button, you explore everything. And I think that's more of what this was than anybody being shopped. And, you know, obviously there's some big names that were on their roster, like Ramsey, like Leonard Floyd, that aren't there anymore. And part of that was just the reality of where they are in wanting to come out of this year with a clean salary cap in 2024 and being able to be aggressive again in 2024, having a first-round pick for the first time in forever in 2024. So that's what this was. And part of that, of course, is examining, does our quarterback want to go through this? You know, Does our quarterback want to go through a reset year when he's coming off an elbow injury and he's at Matthew Stafford's age? Um, all of that needed to be sorted out, and I think it was sorted out, and they're full steam ahead. You know, this is a team, of course, Colin, you'll remember, there was a point there in March when they were close to the salary cap, and I think they had like 48 guys in their roster or something. They didn't even have a full roster. So, you know, like there were a lot of pains that they had to go through this offseason, and I think that's where a lot of that Stafford buzz came from. So um, Robert Sala said in June um – uh, he didn't want to be on hard knocks. Now they are. And I don't think it's a coincidence that Netflix has come out with this quarterback docu-series, which, by the way, I started watching last night. Fantastic. It's really good. And then HBO, as the series starts and is available, says, hey, we got a, we got a hard knocks Aaron Rodgers. And I, I said this yesterday. Sala's this good-looking, passionate guy. Aaron's this good-looking guy who now has an opinion on government, vaccines, presidential candidates. And I, th- I said... The downside to Aaron having these global opinions is he is the most interesting guy in the league. Do you think in, I mean, he is, he's just interesting. I mean, I, I love Justin Herbert. He's not that fascinating, right? He plays football and talks football. So your takeaway on the jets on hard knocks, I don't think it helps at all. We got an impulsive owner. This is the worst O-line arguably he's ever had a defensive coach. What did you make of the decision by HBO and what it means? Well, I think this is unprecedented, if I'm not mistaken, that they'd had to force somebody to do it. And so, you know, it goes back to that old line, and I think I've said this to you before, you'd rather have a volunteer than a hostage. (laughs) And I think the next few weeks are going to be really interesting, you know, because if you look back at it, look at last year, right? The Lions were announced as the Hard Knocks team, I believe, on March 28th. 
So HBO went in and they had the whole spring to do background work and get B-roll and get all the different things in place that you need to do the ah. series. Think about how intensive the next few weeks are going to have to be for the NFL films people and the HBO crew going in there and trying to get everything that they need just for the first episode alone. And what sort of co cooperation are they going to get? You know, because that, I think, dictates how good the show is going to be. I, I don't have any doubt on the films people. They're fantastic. And I think most coaches, when they get into these situations, have their trepidation. And a lot of, stuff, a lot of times, those sorts of concerns are alleviated because the job, the job that films does is so sound and so well-practiced. And they're so experienced at it. That said... I think part of the reason, and I can tell you for a fact, part of the reason why Sala and that staff and the front office there didn't want to do this is they feel like with everything that's happened with Rodgers already and everything they've committed to and everything they're doing in-house, they're already sort of at capacity from a media standpoint. Uh. And to throw another log in that fire is a really big ask. So again, like if you're going to put that kind of ask on those guys, all the people in that building, and now HBO and NFL films are going to come in and say, oh, yeah, we got to be really intensive over the next two <laughs> or three weeks to make sure we get all the footage that we need just for the first episode. I think you create a really in, in, in a really interesting environment. And, um, you know, I think it's going to be on films to make that work, which will be really interesting to see. So um, you, you, you uh, I know Sean a little bit, Sean Payton, um, because I spent some time with him here. Uh, and one of the things that I was always taken back by is uh, take it just Sean has a way of doing things and he has an absolute vision on how he does things. Like you can see why he changes cultures. Harbaugh's got this Lincoln Riley. Here's my vision. We're going to lay it down. So, you know, Hackett was sort of I mean, they, in, literally in September, the Broncos had to give him a veteran assistant just to manage the game. <laughs> That's not a Sean issue. He doesn't need. So my takeaway is what are you hearing? What do you expect? on the Broncos, the culture, will we notice it quickly, Albert? Will it take a while? Your takeaway on what we're going to see rather quickly because they got their first two games, they'll be favored in at home. Like, a quick start is the fastest way to get guys to buy into your culture. I think culture shock is probably the right word for a lot of people there. And, you know, Sean Payton knows exactly what he wants. He knows exactly how the program should run. And, I mean, quite frankly, Colin, like, this is exactly what the Broncos needed. Uh, I think Nathaniel Hackett was put in an impossible situation last year. Russell Wilson needs somebody who's going to stand up to him, who's going to tell him no on a bunch of things. And that's just, I mean, that was a really, really difficult spot to put a first-year coach into. And I think the Broncos knew it. Like, credit to their new ownership and to Greg Penner for identifying that. That's one of the huge reasons why they made a run at Jim Harbaugh, was because Jim Harbaugh was the type of guy that would – be willing to say no to Russell Wilson that would put his foot in the ground and say, no, I've got a lot of experience doing this. I know how the program is supposed to look. I know how it's supposed to feel. And that's what we're going to build here, not what your vision is for it. And so I, I think you're going to see a difficult start to training camp for the team. I, I think there's going to be a little bit of that Parcelsian thing where you're weeding people out early in camp and seeing who can hang and who can't. And I even think, like, the presence of Jared Stidham on that roster is interesting. I mean, Sean Payton pay, played him five, paid him $5 million a year. The guys played for, uh, played for Bill Belichick in New England. He played for Josh McDaniels in Vegas. He's been in demanding programs. And so right there in the quarterback room now, Russell Wilson's got a guy who is used to that sort of environment. So, and, that, and I think, like, part of the reason if you're Payton, you bring him in is because that's somebody who can push Russell Wilson yeah. a little bit. So I do think that... 
you're going to see immediate results. I think the team is going to look a lot different and it's going to create this sort of thing for Russell Wilson where it's like either you get on board or you're going to get left behind. Yeah, that that's really interesting. If you look at Stidham's career and who he's had as coaches, they're barkers. There's guy they're guys that get in your face, he can handle that. And maybe there's a concern Russell may be uncomfortable with it. Good stuff, Albert Breer. Go back to doing what you do. You get about two more weeks of this stuff, and then it's going to be dark rooms and phone calls. That's your life in about two weeks. Good seeing you. I got one day left here, so you can let me enjoy at least that much. All right. Yeah, we interrupted his last day. Be sure to catch live editions of The Herd weekdays at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific. So, HBO forces let's be honest they forced the jets to do hard knocks they did not want to do it as a franchise they got a lot of balls in the air a lot of stuff moving they did not want to do it but a netflix has a new quarterback series it's very good i just started it last night so hbo gets out hey don't forget about us hard knocks aaron Rodgers, jets the outspoken guy there's a lot of stuff moving you have an impulsive owner Offensive line, crossing your fingers at left tackle. Star running back, young off an injury. A lot of pieces coming together. Tough early schedule. So a lot of lot of stuff about Aaron Rodgers. A lot of pressure, young receivers. So what did the Jets just do? Finalize their deal with defensive tackle Quinnen Williams, an excellent player, four years, $96 million. What did they do? They didn't want to go into this hard knock series with a holdout. They wanted to get this done. You think there's a coincidence here? I do not. They did not want to have holdout be part of this. They didn't want anybody asked about it. Because as Albert Breer told us 45 minutes ago, is that the media staff with the Jets is so stretched thin now because of Aaron Rodgers. I mean, Aaron is a walking interview Aaron is a walking reaction right so you got a you got an organization a lot of new faces Aaron Rodgers hard knocks is coming you're trying to close off questions close doors keep it simple so here's the first advantage the hard knocks this thing didn't drag on and by the way if the New York Giants had hard knocks you know what they would do sign Saquon Barkley otherwise it would dominate every question a coach could say something that didn't land right. A quarterback, everybody would be tense. So the Quinn and Williams thing is one of those things. It's not a bombshell, but you don't want to go into hard not. By the way, those HBO guys now have moved into the building probably today. They're, I mean, they're literally the next couple of days. The hard knocks guys are getting all set up. They're going to be contacting the probably the emails went out yesterday or the day before. So it's a, it's a smart move. Sometimes... And again, if, if it was in the Giants building, they'd sign Saquon. They, did, they just don't want that stuff. So uh, it's not a coincidence. This stuff, it's not a coincidence that HBO named the Jets, you know, the day or two after the Netflix great docu-series is out about quarterbacks in the streaming wars. HBO, you know, your Disney Plus, your Netflix, streaming wars, every PR, every, every story counts. Um, so Quinnen Williams, great player. I would say their three best players are Sauce Gardner, Aaron Rodgers, Quinn, and Williams. Those are their, they have, those are their three foundational guys, three best players. And I do think uh, Garrett, the receiver, is probably not yet, but he's probably four. Is that fair? 
It's just so uh, tough with this great loaded roster oh, to stop. only pick three. Five uh, best players. If you said Sauce Gardner one, Aaron two, Quinnen three, those are three great players. Garrett Wilson four. Brees Hall was injured. Uh, no, 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 play. no. He was How about transformative your to that offense. How about your second corner? Uh, DJ Reed, no. It would be probably AVT, the uh, offensive lineman. Uh, uh, Austin Vera Tucker. Yes, he's so very I, good. Elijah Vera Tucker. Elijah Vera Tucker. He's very, very good. He was hurt, but he's very good. So that's your fifth best player. It's just such an embarrassment of riches on this team. Um, <laughs> you know, Alan Lazard is a solid number three receiver. If you think Alan Lazard's top five. No, no, no. He's, I mean, he's not I top like five. him. He's, he's a three. Um, I like him. Bruno Williams, his brother, Quincy Williams, very good year last year. I mean, the Jets are stacked. You know what I'm doing during the commercial break coming up? Looking at hotels in Vegas for the Super Bowl. Because I don't think our show goes unless it's a Fox Super Bowl. But if the Jets go, I will be there in the building. You could lock that door. You're looking right now. for hotel rooms in Vegas. For the Super Bowl, yeah. Why not? So you're going to win at Kansas City, at Cincinnati? Listen, we'll, I'll do my playoff teams in the AFC in about 45 minutes. I'm very excited for that. Well, I feel bad because a lot of guys I like were left off the playoff list in the AFC. It's tough, man. It's not that tough. So, Quinnen Williams, very good player. You've taken that whole line of questioning out of HBO. So, but now we'll just have to settle for Aaron Rodgers talking about ayahuasca. Well, and, well you know. there'll be some of that. But, I mean, this was going to be the pinata swinging back and forth in the room that HBO is going to take shots at. This festival and concert season will be all about the boots. And Decovis is your stop before attending your next concert. All Decovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Decovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. Stop by your local Decovis store, have a complimentary drink, and shop new styles. I love it. If you can't make it to a store, just visit Decovis.com. Stores are great, but it's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists, like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club.